Look at that dumpy. Yes. Don't be jealous. Who? <laughs> him? Yes. Understandable. Yes. I don't have an ass, so like you have to be jealous of others. This is true. I was told that I run funny because I have a big ass. True. I don't it gets in the way. I don't know. I think just people are dumb. Anyways, welcome back to the Dime Comic Rose Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Colin, joined by Jacob. Hello. And Spencer. Dump truck man. <laughs> I am a dumb truck. You are a double wide. My bad comic that might cost more than a time. Come meet the brothers who are here to waste your time. We are here to talk about uh, Ghost Fleet, written by Donnie, Donnie Cates, Cates. And, and arted Arthur. by Colin's dad himself, Daniel Warren Johnson. Yes. So this is the whole goddamned thing. It's the complete edition. Yeah, so this is the... This is eight issues? It was supposed to originally be 12. Pretty sure it's nine. Might be nine. It got Whatever. cut really short at the end, and there's a big a big note at the end of talking about it. I didn't read that. Because <laughs> I was really pissed off with that after reading this. So I think... I have a prediction. I think all three of us are going to have different takes on this. I think it's going to be a sliding scale. Interesting. Colin should start with his hot take. Um, so as much as I love the art in this, I think the story is like a big pile of dog shit. Um, and that the end of it should have been the book itself. And this whole beginning should have been like the lead up to like what happened to this world. And the lead and the ending was actually more interesting. I would have rather seen apocalyptic world than the bullshit that I saw. Intriguing. I think the uh, thing I get what you're saying, but I think my biggest difficulty reading the story is more so that I have to spend the first like six issues just trying to figure out what the fuck is going on and not in a good way. No. Just in like a you started like in media res for no reason when you could have just told this linearly and I would have been able to follow. So by the time you hit like this like the stride kind of in the middle and it's like and yeah. then it immediately starts plummeting towards the end because they ran out of issues and they got canceled. So they had to like yep. wrap it up really fast. Whereas I definitely the this the la- the latter half is more interesting like, story wise. It's ju- it just kind of has to spin its wheels. In the meantime, while it, it tries to relay information that we don't know yet. It, uh, Jacob. It's just tough because it, they went into this expecting to be able to have the time to tell the story. So, yeah, it probably could have used some more polish up front. But it, how much of... So many of our critiques can be countered with, well, they ran out of time. They got axed. So it's really tough to tell what it was supposed to be. To an extent, I would agree. But I also think this was earlier in Donnie Cates' career. And him and um, Scott Snyder have kind of a similar thing in their writing, whereas their characters don't feel very distinct, like, voice-wise. And there's a lot of exposition. So this book or this story goes for a lot of vibes 
and tries to reproduce them. You've got some Mad Max in here. You've got some like Escape from New York or like Big Trouble Little China. Yeah. Um, what else do you have? I definitely think those are the big ones. You can see the influences written all over, and that's fine. It just doesn't really use them that much. It the, feels like every few pages switches tone. The vibes yeah, are kind of doesn't coalesce. The vibes were cool and all, but like it was kind of I felt like it was a shitty way of you trying to use the horseman of the apocalypse and to make a whole apocalypse and everything. It, it or no, I backtrack. I would have been cool with stuff like that. I, I always love horsemen and apocalyptic stuff, but it felt like it almost didn't know what it was trying to do. Like what the thing inside the, the truck was. Yeah. I, it didn't know what it was going to do. And then we, then we hear, Oh, horseman. Oh, I'm a demon. It's like, okay, sure. You kind of had a setup with a secret society, but also a secret society could literally mean anything. I I don't see any, any Christian lore. I don't see any Christian influence. I just see secret society that looks like could be anything. I, I agree with that. I, it feels like they kind of set up the mystery box and then they've said, crap, we don't actually know what's in it yet. So we have to figure that out while we like make the issues. And that's not always the worst thing in the world, but no. just it plants seeds of some ideas, which I think some of the notes in the back about what they were planning on doing kind of lay those out a little bit more. But yeah, like the, I think the whole, yeah, congrats. You're, you're being like, possessed by a horseman thing is pretty cool and then he kind of fights the antichrist sort of but like yeah it's i i had no idea what the fuck was inside the box by the time they get to it it's like but then it turned out that they probably killed the good guy that was trying to stop the bad guy yeah that felt that moment hit really weird and it's like the end it's like oh shit well we did the bad thing and then it's like and then it's just a bunch of like bait for something that we're never gonna see that that could have been cool if they did the this actually is a good guy type of thing but nowhere in this book did he was there any inkling of this guy could have been actually the good guy in a way or like the society actually doing quote uh good or like trying to stop the apocalypse it just seemed like big bad guys who do um old old white man orgies yeah you know? i if i was gonna structure it that way i like i like false endings and whatnot that's fine it feels like that's something you would do in the middle of the book like that's mm-hmm. like your darkest hour of like oh shit we were we were moving in the wrong direction literally or like at least the beginning of the third act not like four pages away from the ending no it, it uh I, I was i was actually like oh this is going somewhere and then i looked at how then my book was getting and i'm like oh no yeah and then i started reading more i was like come the fuck on i mean at least there was I like have... these little like um uh like the, the little paragraphs of like what happened to them eventually i'm like what the fuck i would have loved to see all that shit i have a couple positives though uh we thought do a power bomb was violent and gruesome, but that's got nothing on the artwork in this book. Yeah, there are some is, pretty amazing frames, especially as I think it's his third series. It was his it was his first like big, large publisher one. Um, it is off the fucking chain, and I really appreciate it. I I like. I don't know. It just it's a, it seems like it's a nice translation of his style. Whereas this isn't necessarily a negative. I think he's gotten more homogenized as his books go on, and I don't have an issue with that because I like the style he's kind of settled on. But I really like the 
this feels even more like weird pencil scratchy demon drawings on the wall than his usual stuff. And which, I think it fits well. Which I like that stuff a lot. But before we fully go into the like, let's talk about the good stuff. There's one thing I also wanted to complain about. Um, what's his face? The like shadow assassin or black assassin, whatever he is. Uh, yeah. Did, that, uh, did, it, oh. did it imply that he fucked his own daughter? Because that was really weird. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Because I honestly was like speed reading through this and also everyone at work was talking and like trying to get my attention and like just being annoying while I'm trying to read a book. Um, but if you pay attention to his shirts, they always say something. They like, they say what he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That didn't go fucking anywhere. I was like, Oh, that's cool. Is he going to have some type of weird power thing or whatever? But no, it was just to do that, just to do it. And then his that shirt gets was, covered up by a vest eventually. And it's like, okay, that fun part that was a part of this character is gone now. I don't think it was a magical t-shirt. I think that was Daniel Warren Johnson's typical um, funny action words that happen behind something that's happening. I mean, I, in that instance, in that instance, it was used to express his intentions and and thoughts, but it happens later in the book where it wasn't him that it had the same writing, and it was action words again. So, I think it was just I think that was on Daniel. Well, what I'm saying is that I I I know that it's not a magical thing or whatever, but what I'm saying is that fun part is not there anymore after he puts on a fucking vest. We just don't see it when he's fighting people anymore. I'm like, okay, that's dumb. One part that I actually liked about this book is like gone. And uh, there's one more. There was one more, and I cannot remember. Oh, there's this part where they're in the bar. It's main character and CIA lady, whatever the fuck she is, Mm -hmm. Beth. Um, And then they are talking, and he insinuates that he's gay. What was that? Because that was never talked about again. And it also made it seem like, did did they just miss something? Was there a writing problem? Because it's like, I reread it, and he said, please don't make a big deal about it. I'm like, okay, so he probably is gay. But they did nothing else with him. Like, why? That could have been something, like, they could have just added more on that, or like, I don't know, had something a part of that in the story, and it would have been interesting. But just to have that there, and then never do anything else with it, annoys the shit out of me. That was the thing in general, that bothered me the most, more than not understanding entirely where the conspiracy angle was going, was the the kind of key of the story is this weird interpersonal relationship between two different characters and then one of their recently deceased wife. Mm-hmm. I still don't entirely understand what the hell was going on there because one of them is like, it, it, it kind of implies that there would have been a thing, but there wasn't a thing, but is he gay? And it just, it goes nowhere and it doesn't, I don't like that's your emotional linchpin of the story and it doesn't even make sense logistically. And I'm, I'm wondering what the fuck happened with that because that was at least interesting. And that's what I'm trying to say is that there was no, there was no could have been. It's just this guy. When you're partners with someone in that sense, you are, you know, your partner more than your, than their wife knows your partner type of thing. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're gay for each other. You're, what, what I'm trying to say, hold on, please don't interrupt me because I'm trying to get there. There was no connection to that because you can see how his buddy, the uh, the, uh, the protagonist's friend, that he didn't insinuate anything. There's nothing. He's just a dude that's there. He's just like, this is my friend who's a part of this organization and 
he's somehow helping me now for some reason, even though he shot me in the fucking face. The thing with the wife, the the, the dead wife that really bothered me was it, it's kind of implied that something, something there's a, the, the three of them were like friends or whatever, and mm-hmm. something happened and she died. And it's this weird, but like, he's also having visions of her. Mm-hmm. So it's like implied guilt over something. Mm-hmm. And I, you can interpret that as like a precursor to him getting possessed and going crazy thing. But like, I had no way to read that. That made any sense no. towards what it ended up being. It's like, why, why is he seeing a dead person who he, it implies he feels guilty over? But like, this is just him going a little kooky because his brain no worky because he got a bullet in it. Like it just does. It's, it feels it's a big dramatic ending to an issue. And then it's just like, I don't know. He's kind of crazy. Like that's it. Just, yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. There definitely was a lot of stuff either on the writing board or they had a lot of ideas and then they never picked what they wanted to do. When I say that this book and I say that it's dog shit and I dropped it off and like, good luck is dog shit. What I meant was that this book ended up dog shit. It could have been better. And the reason why I'm so butthurt is because I see all the things that were good. It just didn't work out well, either because of deadline, uh, not allowed, it's full issues, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's just a good idea soup that doesn't, it, it turns into gruel because it yes. doesn't do anything specific. I want to go back to artwork. Uh, there are so many cool action scenes, especially yes. when the main character guy gets a sword. There were so many uh, anime tropes. I'm just going to come right out and say it. Where, like, you don't see the guy with the sword move and then everybody ends up in half. Or uh, the, the I think it's a tank, gets cut in half and mm-hmm. it's a full page and it's huge and it's crazy. It looks so cool. Um, so many cool action shots that are awesome. I do have the covers were fantastic too. Um, As much as I loved the whole katana thing, um, as much as I loved the whole katana thing, the uh, how we got it was from one of the captains of that army that was going after him. Just had a random ass fucking katana. Made no sense to me. As much as I love katanas and the main character having a katana, we didn't. It, it was stupid. I, I think- like how a lot of the action had a direction too. So many times that like all of the lines uh, on the page point in a direction. You can see something going from here to here and it it's very clear and it look it makes it that much cooler. Yes, it also makes it really easy to follow like in a quick sequence of stuff. Whereas in later books, like for say, for instance, do a power bomb because they're usually in such a small physical setting. You have to really convey what's going on. And that's, he used like a lot of specific wrestling moves that I have no idea what they are, but like, because of this taking place over a lot of, a lot of physical geography, he can basically just go from left to right, like consistently, yeah. which I think makes for very aesthetically pleasing panels as well. I, I do uh, love the art a lot. Uh, it is phenomenal. I know that even though I didn't really like the reading of the story, that I'm using this as a book for reference on poses for my own artwork. And it, 
even beyond the action, there were several times where uh, he captured emotion really well. Um, when Beth finds the the main guy and is hanging out at the bar, um, there's a lot of emotions there just in her face that are unsaid. Or when the dirty, rotten scoundrels throw the main guy's uh, dog in a dog fight, you can see the fear in the poor lab's face and it it uh, makes you feel all yucky inside. Yeah, that's okay. My last complaint. I just had to get it out of my system. The So the, this book does that thing that I really, 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 really fucking hate where it just lampshades how weird it is and it doesn't actually say anything with it. The book is disgusting and gross and there's like really weird stuff and people die and it's gory and whatever. And it's trying to be kind of fun about it. Like, like, like Mad Max. Yeah, like it's kind of, it's over the top and gross, but it's supposed to be fun. And then they just kill the dog in the grossest way possible. I was going to say that too. And then the end of the book is like, wow, they killed the dog. That was a little extra. And it's like, fuck you for just lampshading your own retarded ideas Video. instead of doing can, something with it. Like, why? I can counter that. It said in the exit interview that they were planning to have the dog in the truck. It just, it, it's one of those things where it's like, um, so then the joke about it was, you know, after they'd already been cut, it's still a poorly timed joke, but. Yeah, it's just weird because especially like the the last page uh, before the, the interview is like a, I think they called it a pinup. It's like, like you're, it's like a fake main poster. It's like a little idea, an idea bit. And it's, it's clear, like it's, it, the dog is included. Everyone's on the page, all the main characters are on it. And whatever this book was going to be is way more interesting than what we got. It actually looks coherent and it looks like it looks like something I would like a TV show or something. Whereas it, the, the tone even conveyed by the page is different than the rest of the book. I don't know where that went. I just realized that they're hanging out with Jesus. Yes. I got confused because mm-hmm. literally the main character and Jesus look exactly the same. Yeah. It's, it's just bizarre. Like there's a, I think I mentioned it when we talked about um, Curse of the White Knight. Uh, Sean Murphy does this to a lesser extent where he kind of lampshades... Oh, it might have been Tokyo Ghost, actually. Where he, he kind of lampshades his own ideas being incoherent, but it, I typically find it fine there because his books are a lot less... are a lot more irreverent in general, and they're also... Half of them are Batman books. Like, where he's like, aha, well, these guys don't actually know what the fuck they're doing. It's like, I don't, I don't know. It usually comes across better because the whole book is kind of like that, where he's like, I'm throwing out a bunch of really big ideas, and I'm not even really going anywhere, and my own views are kind of incoherent, so fuck it. Whereas this is like, I respect Donny Cates quite a bit. And this is weird coming from someone who's, who had already been in the industry for a fair few years. But like, what, what happened to him during this book, this book like time period? Because the new guy, Daniel Warren Johnson, is like kicking ass on all full, right. cil- full cylinder, like all, all the pistons be firing. And then the guy who's not like an industry vet or anything, but like has a fair few books under his belt is, was he okay? <laughs> yeah, like he, he's... Daniel Warren Johnson was definitely the reason why this book probably has made like, deadlines. Yeah, made yeah, definitely made deadlines and also just like half decent mm-hmm. because the art and his pacing is just so it's just so good. Even with the stuff that he's working with, he's like, oh, I'm gonna at least make it look good. Yeah, he's just gonna look pretty. Uh, the opening of the last issue. So they've already been axed and they've been told wrap up this whole story in one issue. Uh, it starts out with 
the writer and artist having a conversation. And there were a couple of good jokes in there that had me chuckling. I actually really la- I, I, I liked that one. I also really <laughs> liked the one where what's his face, our main protagonist, Miles, I think his name is, um, is like a bodyguard for those the, uh, super weird cryptic white old men. Yeah, the, the, where he's and, like, and oh the, yeah, I actually know this mercenary, but that the relationship goes nowhere. It's like, yeah, they're definitely doing sex stuff in there. Like that, yeah, was, that, that was, was funny. funny. I, I actually la- I actually like chuckled out loud. That was funny. Yeah, it's like kind of setting up like a dynamic. It's like a, it felt like a flashback on episode three of a TV show. And it's like, actually, look at this man, this, this antagonist. I actually have history with him. And then he just goes nowhere because he's there for a minute. He jumps out of a plane, sells them out and dips. And it's like, very, very frustrating. Um, on the whole, meh. Yeah, meh. I, I don't know how this happened. Uh, worst Donnie Cates book I've read, to be honest. So when I told you that this book wasn't going to be good, you told me doubt. How do you feel now? I still think you jumped the gun really hard. Like you jumped to the, mo- you're just like, I swear you could walk up to like a creator you like, and just say to their face that you think their work is dog shit with no elaboration. And I think that's a, I think that's generally a bad tendency of yours. Artistically speaking, I think it's a weird attitude to have towards someone who does art. There's a difference between having any, not even just harsh constructive feedback, but like, I don't like it, but it's like, you're kind of loading me in a weird spot where it's like, do you want me to just have a contrarian take and argue the whole time? Even if I probably am going to agree with you. Like I didn't like it that much, but I definitely liked it more than you did. Uh, actually I disagree with you. I think that we both liked and just, we, I'm pretty sure we agreed on like the same fronts in the entire book. You know, I think all three of us did. I think it's just a matter of how much they matter. Uh, because I didn't say, was, so you're saying that about the art. I didn't say anything bad about the art. I just said the book's shit. I said artist. In ge- like, yeah, but also I didn't, I didn't say I like Donny Cates. You're the one that like. No, I know that. But you just said book is dog shit and then like fucking dipped. It's like, well, you were the one who suggested it for this week anyways. Well, because I thought it was going to be like really fucking good because anything Daniel Warren Johnson is attached to is like really fucking good. But also most of the books that like, or even existing are his own books. So I'm waiting to say something. <laughs> Manny Nanny Boo Boo. Uh I liked the pacing when I started the book. It's really, really fast paced. It it really doesn't let up. And then as we've already established, we got to the end and it was like, wow, so much wasted potential i kind of think the pacing is uh, a brain worm that you guys have too it's it's you haven't mentioned it yet but uh just with other things that we've watched or read um i i would put five bucks on that falling under one of your complaints too is that it just moves so fast I mean, we Which did is, actually touch on the pacing. You, you were more so talking about the pace of like panel to panel stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it, I just think it's weird. Like, I think it's a, a common Donny Cates thing. That's what that I love true. about the Venom run. That is definitely true. Which is actually weird because I, I kind of disagree with you on that front. I actually find the pace, even though the second half is going absolutely insane and has the most stupid decisions, I actually found the second half more interesting because the first half is just exposition dump flashback exposition dump flashback exposition like 
I completely agree with I, Spencer. Like, yeah, the action is cool and whatnot, but like, I didn't know what to expect until like issue three. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get the vibe here. And then when it actually just goes pedal to the floor, it's like, okay, I, I have to turn my brain off or I won't finish the book because I can't make it make sense. Versus in the first half, I'm still trying to like figure it out. I was expecting like, even if I wasn't going to like it, like a kind of coherent conspiracy or something. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, wait, wait, he didn't even know, did he? Did they know? Did they know? They, they don't know. They no. don't know. My biggest complaint actually is the name. Because um, I feel like it's a waste of a good name on this book. It's I, a good name. It's a, it is such a good name. It's a really cool idea. Yeah. Too. I actually, I kind of feel like they don't take it. Like the action still kind of being car centric or truck centric is good in the second half. But like, it's not even, it's not, it's really, not even about, really about the ghost. Fleet. It's about, it's about what's in the box. And like, that's fine. It's just, I was if maybe if it was longer, it would have felt a little bit more truck centric. But like, easy comparison, not because I just like comparing them, but like Noctera, the book series that I'm reading from Scott Snyder, another one of those weird, dark, edgy things that's that's just exposition dumb crazy, but also has really good art. That's all about trucking. Like all of it is about people going through like because the world is dark, like across the board, and there's a bunch of evil things and whatever, and they're all truckers. And that actually feels like it's about the fucking trucking. And then this is like it's got a really cool fucking cover. And yeah. they use one truck. So when I said ghost fleet, I was thinking like actual ghost shit happening, especially with like the cover. But eh. I don't know. I, I got I got annoyed. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And I finished. I'm like, damn, I wish they didn't use ghost fleet because I would have stolen that for sure. Me. Moving, moving on, moving on, maybe. Unless Jacob's got anything more to say that we won't interrupt. Uh. I want you guys to appreciate how much I sacrifice for this show. <laughs> Hold on. I know I, it's because he had to buy the book digitally and he doesn't uh, want to read it again. I'm, I'm putting money on this. Well, you just lost money. I got, I rented the book for free digitally. Uh, I am currently missing as of right now, an under oath concert. <gasps> Less than five miles away from where I'm staying. He loves us. And instead, I chose to go to a movie theater to watch Shazam 2 so that I could talk about it right now. I think he <laughs> should have just, like, left us in the dust and gone to the concert. I thought he was going to, but that's his own choice. Damn. You should, honestly, for future reference, you should, like, not love us that much. <laughs> Please I don't. mean, if we go really, really fast, I might be able to leave. But no, it's not worth it. Uh, I've missed plenty it. of shows on this trip already. Um, so but it's going to factor into my review of Shazam 2, Fury of the Gods. The movie so, so Colin's just going to dip out of this section entirely because he had no interest in watching the movie. Um, yeah, so Shazam 2 is like five years later, and they're like, holy fucking shit, we're like teenagers and old and stuff. And then there's new characters who are the daughters of one of the gods that's in the name, the, the acronym Shazam. You should add in a lightning sound effect every time we just to make the editing entirely unusable. Yes, I'm a simp. And then they're like, Re, you children are not worthy of the power. And then Billy's like, Lamau, get, own- get owned, old bitch. And uh, that's about it. Um... I'm going to skip right to the end. This movie is really hit or miss. It, <laughs> there were 
jokes that were funny and jokes that made me cringe really, really hard. And then there were um, pretty good effects sometimes. And then there were effects that looked awful. Uh, it's it's really kind of all over the place, but also basic at the same time. It's really hard to describe. I, I, I do actually agree with you. I think I liked it a little bit more than you did, but I, I do agree. There's I, a lot of... There's a lot of I stuff. I went into it expecting to hate it, but I came out like that actually wasn't all that bad. <laughs> no, it, it's it's definitely not in the upper echelon of the DCEU stuff, but like it wasn't. I I don't know if my expectations are just so low because the recent movies across the board have been pretty bad, but like it was all right. And there's some parts about it that I did genuinely like, and yeah, there's a lot of parts of it that I didn't like. My biggest general complaint is. Um, Asher Angel as as Billy is infinitely better than Zachary Levi is as Shazam, and I'm fucking pissed off that he had like three minutes of screen time because he sells all the emotional bits, and then Levi just clowns in. Like he's funny to watch, but the two of them are on different wavelengths entirely, and it really bothers me. There's no way to say this without you guys shitting on me. Uh oh, it was distracting that one character played both the younger and older version because this is the but this is the thing jacob colin calm down so there's two reasons for it (laughs) i agree but i like it because (laughs) colin sorry 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 so it's because she's an adult now like not colin stop (laughs) the the character is an adult so thusly, there is no like transformation, which traps. Uh, okay, um, it's implied I don't by think the movie. They explain that very well, then. No, it's implied. There's also there's some potential behind the scenes reasons that no one wants to talk about. Um, but I actually like that, and I like that they the the thing that I I liked the most out of that was they didn't push the family into the background of the movie, despite Levi getting way too much screen time in comparison to his much better younger counterpart. The family is still a very pivotal like aspect of it and yeah they kept all the same kid actors and most of the same adult actors and they're all actually pretty good so wait that doesn't make sense though because shazam himself is like less than six months away from turning 18 but his adult version is 30 something okay well that's just movies being retarded but like the the Mm. i'm I have some confidence in the fact that if they do continue with any part of this in the new DCU, I think they're just going to have Astro Angel play the adult version because holy shit, he's yoked as fuck. It's disgusting. <laughs> he looks great. It's so. Can I just exp- add on to the <laughs> No, I'm not going to talk about that. We already covered that. I wanted to say Booba. I already did it. Um, but Shazam. Yes, he may be six six months old. Uh, well, uh, wow, six months from being like an adult or whatever. But the whole point of Shazam and all of those powers is that there's a couple things. Uh, Shazam becomes Billy Batson becomes Shazam, and how he looks is how he imagines his father looks. And second, the way that he is, he's not an adult yet. So this is what he imagines himself looking like as an adult. So when he becomes adult, he won't look like that. He'll just look like him. Every writer interprets it differently. So I think there's enough play with it with the movie. The thing with that... I assume it's that because of how it works. Yeah, that's, I think, the new 52 version of it. The thing that's really weird with that is, like, they they talk about the fact that he 
clearly doesn't actually have the wisdom of Solomon um, because he's a fucking idiot. And like, I was about to bring that up too. They lampshade that and then they don't do anything with it. And again, uh, lampshading yeah. is my least favorite thing in the world because yeah, he like, they don't have to play him like this. Like Levi has better range than this. And he like, they're just in the first movie. I think it made sense because he was 14. And like, now that he has big adult, strong body, like he's kind of freaking out because, you know, he's like, holy shit, I can actually do stuff. Despite the, 14-year-old version being like, ooh, I'm too dark and edgy and broody. It's like, okay, on the inside, he actually wants to just do stupid shit. But like, oh. now, the disparity is huge, despite the age gap being smaller. Kind of, it just doesn't, it doesn't track. Also, despite all the complaints about the Joss Whedon version of Justice League, this movie still chooses to sexualize what's-her-face as Wonder Woman. A little bit? To be oh, fair, definitely. though, I have there's one joke in this thing that made me die laughing. And it was when the wizard is d- doing a vision to Billy and it's like a dream. And then Wonder Woman is there in the dream because he has a crush on Wonder Woman. And then it's the wizard's head on Wonder Woman's body that I was fucking dying for that. Because the movie, the, I, the the movie has this big meta joke about like the whole headless Superman cameo thing. So they're like, we're gonna do a headless Wonder Woman cameo, and then they keep putting around with that. Oh my gosh, that was so funny. There were a couple of jokes that I wasn't sure how to take. Uh, there's one that definitely laughs at uh, what's his face, Freddy, like being handicapped, and then there's. Another one later, when all the kids see the mom and dad in bed not wearing much, uh, <laughs> where, where one of them announces that they're gay and like the whole theater laughed at that. It was like, are we laughing at these people because of how they are? That Okay, I laughed at that joke really hard because I, 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 I thought the joke part, the, the, what I think the joke was constructing was like every other character is like, no fucking shit, we're not stupid. Like, I thought mm-hmm. that was funny because the movie okay. just set it up earlier. But, like, I can't vouch for what the people in the theater were laughing about. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a little all over the place. And I, I can't dislike it because I really I really like David F. Sandberg. Like, come on. He went from being a YouTuber to making Hollywood movies overnight. Like, the dude's really cool. But it's it's definitely a lesser product than the first one. Um I guess my last positive is I really like the stu- I like the stupid Dr. Savannah and Mr. Mind post credit scene that's like, yeah, you thought we were going to do these guys this movie? Nah, fuck you. We're not even going to do it for the next movie. I don't remember the first one very much at all. I just remember not liking it the first and only time I saw it. So I can't really compare it to the first one, but this one was, I don't know, decent. It was all right. And that's, I, I wish I could say more than that, but it was like fine. I got some chuckles. Some of the action's okay. The unicorns eating the Skittles bit was funny. Booba. I, there was a lot of egregious product placement in this. I do agree with that. The adult lady oh, that plays the youngest kid. I don't remember the character. Uh, Darla, the adult version. Yes. Seemed really handicapped by the character she was playing. She seemed to be mimicking the child version too much. 
<laughs> I guess. I, I don't even know how to feel about that one. Because, like, I mean, when it comes to, like, what, she's, like, 13 tops. I don't, I, I, I can't really imagine a 13-year-old girl magically getting superpowers and not kind of acting the same. Like, she, the kid, the, the point of that, that child character is that she's kind of just having a good time. Like, she's, the, she's somehow healthier in the brain than everybody else. And she's just vibrant. Mm. So, like, it kind of mm. makes sense. But I mean, yeah, she, the actress, the older actress is like 42 or something. She definitely has more range than like playing a literal child. Right. I don't know. Uh, I gave it two and a half stars on Letterboxd and I was pretty happy with where it fell in comparison to other movies I've watched this year. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think I definitely gave it higher, but it's it wasn't as good as it could have been. I like the new outfits. They do be drippy. I that was something. Um, I like the the practical lighting in the lightning bolt of their suit. It was very very good, and it was used quite often. There were quite a few times where the characters walked into a dark room, and all you saw was the soft light in their chest emblem. It was pretty cool. I agree. We're gonna need to end uh, it here, but I think we're done. I went to a new theater to watch this, and. Uh, I had a hard time seeing the movie and there weren't a whole lot of lights in the theater, but I don't know if you had the same thing or no. No, mine was fine. I, maybe the projection, the, the projector on yours was kind of getting old. Interesting. Yeah, it was very dark and hard to see, even in like bright daylight shots. So I mine was fine. Struggled with that. Okay. I gotta go change my laundry over. Father, have you finished washing your panties? They're in the dryer right now. Um, so the beer before Shazam was ten fifty. The cider during Shazam was nine seventy five, and the cost of admission was twenty two fifty. What the fuck, dude? And I'm missing an Under Oath concert, so that might have affected my review a little bit. Jeez, that's rough. Yeah, I was I got considering it for free and I didn't it, drink during it. I was considering making it a double feature because I want to see Scream and John Wick 4, but at 22.50 a ticket. No thank you. Jeez, that's like that's what that's like going to an IMAX place around here. And it wasn't even a good theater. It was poorly lit. <laughs> Rip. When is John Wick 4 coming out? It's out. I've already watched it. Oh, it, it is? Yeah. Oh my fuck you. You went to watch it? Yeah. And you didn't Wow. Fuck you. You didn't even tell me. You were even like, hey, let's go watch this movie. No, you're just going to drag me. Okay, fine. Colin, do you know how many movies I watch a year? Yeah. At least in the the year that I'm watching them. Yeah. You could have invited me. Could have bought you food. We just went out like last week. So? So? I would have seen fucking John Wick 4. Are you kidding me? He's so upset. I am. Are you kidding me? We go see Creed, and we go see 65, and we have, like, such a good time, and I get to see him yell at someone in the theater, and he (laughs) just doesn't invite me to John Wick. Colin. I'm not seeing Barbie with you. (laughs) Yeah, that's a lie. That's the whole gang, buddy. Yeah, because you did that to me? We hadn't made an arrangement to go No, but you did that to me. How dare you? We already We're have best an friends, and you went to see John Wick four without me. Bitch, I watched like a hundred plus movies. That doesn't make no. It, you I can't get yourself four out of movies this, this you weekend. Can't, you yeah, you can't get yourself out of this. You owe me a John Wick four date. <laughs> wow. 
I mean, paying. Do you, you know how many pay. times you like? He it. has not gone to a movie with me because I don't go opening night. That's just how he rolls. You went opening night. Uh, two days after opening weekend. Okay, fine. Yeah, I didn't go Thursday night. No, I tend was... to go Thursday night. Fuck you. Cuckoo. Look at little Iron Boy Junior. You gonna cry? Eat my ass. He's pouting so hard. <laughs> wow. God, this is genuinely upsetting me. It's <laughs> stupid and gay. No, I wow, you knew how much I wanted to see that movie and you didn't go see it with me. Did you ask me to go? No. You didn't ask me to go. So I didn't know it was going to come out. You're why, my guy. Why am I always? <laughs> why am I always the top in this relationship? You're not always the top. In this I am literally always the top. No, I have to arrange not. every date. No, you're not. Every date, every outing, I have to arrange have autism. So <laughs> I'm gonna. Do Howdy, my bitch, baby. Now. Tell us about the new episode of The Mandalorian. No. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, uh, oh. oh, oh. Uh, if I'm gonna be honest, not much really happens until like the end of it, almost like last hey. time, last episode. Um, Mandalorians are teaching younglings how to Mandalorian until one youngling Mandalorian gets kidnapped by a dragon thing, and Mandalorians go and kill it and save the youngling. I'm yep. trying to use like the same couple buzzwords. Because uh, Grogu, Grogu gets uh, PTSD attack <laughs> while uh, Grandma Mandalorian is trying to teach him ways of Mandalorians, and we got one of the best. Um, uh, uh, what's the right word? Homage, not homage. Um, we got one of the best things to happen to Star Wars. We had a reappearance of an actor play a lead role as the Jedi who saved Grogu. The man who played Jar Jar Binks, the man who was going to kill himself because of all the hate mail and death threats that he got after playing Jar Jar Binks, returned in a triumphant way and played a fantastic Jedi saving Grogu. Okay, I, I have to say the discourse on this particular thing is incredibly weird. It's I, weird. I think it's nice. He did great. I, there's people... Non-specifically, I saw a bunch of things like, dang, look at this redemption arc. It's like, motherfucker, he was fine. It's not like, a redemption. You don't have to redeem himself. You guys nearly bullied him into, like, dying. What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah, like, no, it's fucked up. There's no redemption arc. It's a... Sorry, that was George Lucas being fucking weird. That's that's a George Lucas problem. Yeah, that's the George... Problem. Yes, that's a George Lucas problem. And now we have him being a good character, something that he actually deserves. Yeah. It, it was, he did pretty good. I also like the... I, a mental note I had was that the clone... The 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 clones in that sequence mm -hmm. were also all CG like the prequels. Yeah. Unlike the flashbacks in Obi-Wan, which were practical, which I liked I because like. it was, it was cool that like, they're like, wow, this is what clones actually look like in real life. Yeah. But it was like very, <clears throat> very prequel in line. Wow. Look at these, look at these polygons. I kind of like the CG clones. It's mainly just because of nostalgia. Say, yeah. But, uh, I really loved, uh, his robes. He had like nice fancy robes on the top. Like he was collar. He was very drippy for a Jedi. And I was like, damn. Didn't I don't remember if I said this on air, but I know we talked about this like last week. 
what the fuck is it with black people in Star Wars being the drippiest people? They on the are planet? the drippiest. I feel I like, aspire I, to be them. I feel like it's actually really weird that they make all the black guys have a lot of chains and capes and cool shit and stuff. That feels really weird, but also they look great. Yeah, it does feel really weird. It just but feels a little weird. I think at this point, it's okay. It's fine. It's just a weird, like, I feel like you're trying to compensate and you're making it worse, mm-hmm. actually. But no, that, that sequence was nice. It felt a little long, to be honest, but I was okay with it. It's fine. Um, I actually think this is the best episode of the season so far. Now that you remind me of stuff, there's a lot of scenes that were actually a lot of my favorite. I want to hear from Jacob. No, that was pretty much it. The whole youngling saving thing was boring. I think you're gay. I think you are also wrong, gay sir. Okay. There's a factual error where they're standing in the nest with all the dried wood and twigs and stuff, and then they fire off their jetpacks and the nest didn't burn down. Zero out of ten, worst episode ever. Uh, All right, that tracks. So (laughs) uh, this isn't a great episode, but this actually, out of the four, this felt far more like the first season than anything else. Um, Yeah, it was its own adventure. I like that we got more like Mando words and like uh, uh, Mandalorian lore and culture. It was just a little thing. It was, oh, look, the Mandalorian is going to go punch a big bird in the head mm-hmm. because that's what How? most of the first season was, was like, and now he go fight the big hoppy frog. And the, even in season two, it was like, and now he gets his ass kicked by spiders. Like, I like How that. How long before somebody tries to kill Grogu by shooting him and his chest plate saves him? Uh, definitely by the end of the season. I'm gonna say by the mid season mark. So that's what two episodes from now next week. Uh, yeah, next within the next two episodes. That's I have a strong I feeling. Too. I, I don't know. There's some things in this that feel kind of weird that I it's hard to kind of nail down. I just I liked the general premise and I thought it was executed fine. I like I I thought it was actually shot pretty well in comparison to the other episodes. There was the Grogu jumping looked like ass, but that's expected because I think I think they did actually fucking move the puppet. So I give them props for making the puppet <clears throat> jump, but also man, that looks bad. I'm okay with it looking like ass. It's fine. It's it's partially the whole we already nobody liked it when Yoda started flipping unless you were a child, and now mm-hmm. we're we know that they can do that. So you know it's kind of stuck in the brain, but also. He's a little frog boy in a big robe, so it's going to look retarded anyways. Mm-hmm. I thought it was entertaining. Like, the little sequence was entertaining. It just was kind of weird. Um, this was the episode that was directed by Carl Weathers, so I, I actually thought, in comparison to the previous three, it looked <coughs> the most consistent. Um, the mm. outdoor lighting, I actually thought it was handled fairly well. The, these shows in particular, uh, especially Boba Fett, the, like, outdoor in sand dunes, like, lighting is always pretty bad, and this actually felt like there was a decent amount of depth to it. Um, I'm the biggest bird. You got the big bird babies. Mm. I love it. That was funny. I I love the uh, mommy and daddy. Um, wow, mommy and daddy Mandos. They're adorable. Going on. It's like no, don't look at me. Look at him. You do your thing. You beat. Show them how tough you are. So and then the mom's just like, he's just doing this because he's proud of you. That was a my father did this too. And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, how could you not ship these two? Are you kidding me? <laughs> It's it's very cute. I there is something about the I don't I don't know if I'm supposed to find it funny or not. The the em, the armor made the emblem to be put onto a piece of armor, and it is Grogu's entire chest plate. But it's not made to be a chest plate. 
it's just a big fucking medallion hanging around his neck, basically. And I really hate how that looks. I, I hate it too. I don't know if it's supposed to be funny because it's kind of played in a dramatic moment. And I think that's weird. But on the flip side of that, the sequence with Bo in the armory getting a new shoulder pauldron. Yeah. And what I think, so the one she's going to, so the new one that she got, she has the Missasaur, the universal. She's like, you know, she's getting back in touch with her roots. She's getting the I don't remember what the fuck it's called the big meaty the 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 rhino boy from you know the the the, the stupid what is it the mudslag whatever the fuck it is yeah that that's what the other one's gonna be I'm calling it now she's getting like the the family friendship <laughs> yeah that's about it she's gonna it get broke the, up really bad get, so I missed what what she's gonna get so he's the second shoulder is gonna be. Mando and Grogu's symbol. I don't remember. It's like the the uh, the creature from episode two or three. I don't remember the name of it. Hold on, hold on. Give me one second. Let me tap into the Force. Oh my gosh. Let me think. The Force of History, and it was called a. It had to have been started with a T or something. Oh hold on. Uh. I just I like that they didn't jump the gun on that. Um, to her just immediately, you know. Damn, look at them getting their wedding rings. It's a start to the M. It's called a mud horn. My, I was close. You were. Um, I like that they're they're pushing it's going more towards her getting more in touch with different Mandalorians, and then they're gonna ship them really hard. Yes. I, I like that. It's not gonna be all sorted out too quickly, but I I I continue to stand by this 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 season so far has been more enjoyable than like the second half of season two, but I don't understand what the fuck they're doing with this thing because it's this is the fourth episode out of, wait, this episode four. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, no, this is the mid season. I'm mm-hmm. stupid. I thought, holy shit, that, yeah, yeah, my point even stands even more. Where the fuck are we going this season? What the fuck is the point? If they're gonna serialize it, what's the end goal? Where are we going? Mm-hmm. Very frustrating. I thought I redemption arc for Mando, and now what? Yeah, like that. I would have done that longer, but we know this. But like, like, so what about more space pirate stuff? Yeah, that that really did feel like <laughs> setup, and they haven't done anything with that yet. Is that just going to be the second half of the season or something? Like, this is for being an eight episode. I forgot. I, my brain was telling me twelve. They're they're eight episode seasons. What the fuck are they doing with this? Because every episode is kind of pulling it in a different direction, even though the first three are kind of all connected. I what? I'm just confused, really. A lot of flashbacks, too. You had yeah, evil doctors, Imperial doctors last episode. You've got Grogu's flashback this episode. So, ever since 2019, we've been shown Order 66 over and over again. Oh, he's gonna, he, he, you're gonna, you're gonna do the meme. You're gonna say the question. You're gonna ask the question. No. Yeah, you are. No, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just saying that ever since 2019, we've seen Order 66 happen every single year. Yes. Yeah. Are you saying Mama. you've had enough of it? No, I'm just saying it's kind of funny that they just bring it back every year. Like, hey, hey, remember this? Remember this? This happened. <laughs> wow, Lucasfilm <laughs> doesn't actually have a new direction they want to go in and they keep revisiting things because they have no wow. other Because they're safe. Who would have thunk? Didn't they cancel five new movies this week and then they reassess? Yeah, wow. Who would have thunk? I forgot that um, Dr. Pershing like got his ear like shotted at yeah. in season two. Yeah. And apparently people are saying that he has a nervous tick whenever he lies and he touches his ear. 
And you can see that from when he first lies to the droid about everything being fine. And that's when he goes and starts stealing stuff. Yeah. So if you backtrack, there's a lot of things that apparently he I, lying, he, I, he's I, lying about. Okay. I, I hate body language people because they're all retards. Um, it's just a nervous tick. I know. That's it. It's not a specific, he's like, it's just a nervous tick. And they, it is played really heavy handedly, which I don't appreciate because it's, it's like in like the opening scene of the, they like pull, they push in and they're like twitching. It's like, holy fucking shit. I Let wish, it be subdued, but whatever. I wish you wouldn't interrupt me every single time. I'm literally, a, a literally about to get to my fucking point. Cause you make me sound fucking stupid. Cause I'm right about to get there. I'm about to say, I don't think that that's it. I think it's a nervous tick. And you're like, so please think about that. I read something green hell volume or issue number three. It concludes something green hell. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of cool things in the art. Swamp Thing spends all of his green energy and becomes skinny until he gets reinforced and he becomes Big Chunky Boy. Constantine is pretty freaking cool. I enjoy how he was written. And that's pretty much it. It's kind of weird. I need to reread the whole series again, like back to back to back to see if I'm missing something. And I don't think so. It just kind of wrapped itself up and said, well, there you go. Seven bucks. That's, that's really weird because I remember you reviewed the first issue, especially very highly. And then obviously long the second break. one as well. It's, that's just really weird, especially for like a three issue book that like, it I don't doesn't... really know what I was expecting. There was just no great big wow twist. It was just, they fight. And Swamp Thing says stuff about the parliaments, and that's it. It it just felt like big fight and the end. That's what a couple of the Black Label books have felt like. That are the like the three or four issue ones is like they're they have a really neat premise, but because whatever reason they have such a short issue count, they don't really they kind of just paint by numbers. Once you get past the initial premise. I, like I said, I don't really know what I wanted. It just didn't feel like it had a payoff, I guess. So that's that. Fastest review ever. Green come. Damn, green come becoming. Colin, what'd you read? I read Hellboy and Love issue three. Yes. Um, if I'm going to be honest... Uh, it wasn't, there's not like a lot of big stuff that happens yet. And you, and it's kind of strange since it's five issues, but also bear with me. I read this also in front of my coworkers and they were also still annoying me and trying to get my attention and shit. So this isn't going to be the best review. All I'm going to say is that Hellboy and what's her face that he's like, flirting with and or she's flirting with him real hard and he just gets flustered a little bit um she's calling him handsome and shit and she's like oh you're trying to get me back to your room and he's like uh uh no no you just wanted to leave you told me you wanted to leave 
And he's like, uh, uh, we, we go over here to Barnes. She's like, oh, did I get you flustered? And I'm like, ha, big red man, getting redder. And that's cute. It's fun. I'm having fun reading this. And I think that they're going to go on another type of adventure type of thing. But basically, one of the professors that actually sent a or called the BPRD to send someone to protect her. I can't remember her name, but protect the archaeologist or discoverer. She's basically Indiana Jones type of thing um, person. And they sent Hellboy and he didn't know that they're going to sell Hellboy, send Hellboy. And uh, he, the professor meets up with her during this like ball that's happening. And she brought Hellboy with him, with her. And um, he's like, I think he's a bad influence on you and blah, blah, blah. And then basically he calls Hellboy's dad, Broom. And he's like, oh, be a good lad and come back. I got a mission for you. It's like, um, actually, I'm taking a sabbatical with my girlfriend. So fuck you, dad. I'm doing this. And then dad and then Broom's just like, that's new. And after hanging up the phone. So Hellboy's hanging out with his redhead girlfriend. I love it. How many issues is this supposed to be? Is five. It, uh, so I don't know where it's going. Five? Who the yeah. fuck does five issues? I don't know. Weird. It is weird, so I don't know where it's going. And I don't know what's going to happen to them, because obviously she doesn't end up anywhere in the book. Sadness. Yeah, because she's not Alice. That's weird. Yeah. Um, I think I'm actually going to dip doors open in ten minutes. All right. Okay. Good luck. Don't okay. die. Okay. I'll try not to. Good luck staying out Goodbye. late. Yeah. So I watched Batman and Superman Battle of the Super Sons, which was an animated movie. I thought you already saw that. No. I mean, I watched it a while ago, but I didn't. Oh, you you talked about that during a happy hour. I don't even remember if I did, but um, not not like a review. You just talked about it. I just mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. So this was released last year um, and it is the first DC animated movie that is fully 3D. And I don't like it. Um. So this is an adaptation of one of my favorite, like, period comic book runs. The mm-hmm. Peter J. Tomasi and I believe Patrick Gleason did the art of Super Sons stuff, where it's 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 Jonathan Kent, Superboy, and um, Damian Wayne, Robin, just being boys and doing dumb boy shit and saving their dads a bunch uh, and doing bonding and stuff. It's 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 one of the best periods of like modern DC comics. Um, and this movie is like incredibly mid and very paid by numbers, and also it looks like shit. Um, <laughs> I'm disappointed more than I am like angry because I went from the first trailer. I went, Oh, they're doing a 3d. Pa- oh, ew. Um, so aesthetically speaking, the designs, the costumes are, are really cool. I actually really like Jonathan Kent's like Superboy hoodie look. I, I like that. It's cool. But the, the animation is 3d models. It's, it's like, it looks like Ruby. It's got that 3D, but they paint on some some shells to do the hard lines. And then they cut the frame rate down really low, so it kind of looks like a comic book. I hate that aesthetic. Yeah. And like the back, because it's all 3D rendered, the backgrounds are incredibly empty. There's, like, no people. It's very still. It looks like a 2008 Flash game that I could play in the Unity engine on my computer. Just... Not a good aesthetic. Never liked it. And I don't like it here. Um, for being an... Out of, in comparison to the other 
DC animated movies. This one's really expensive. It's like double the budget and it looks worse than all the other ones. Even the really generic Jim Lee new 52 designed movies, even those look better than this. Um, I don't know what they were going for. It's really overly lit. The, there's no dynamic lighting except it some bits, but whatever. Um, the justice league is a thing of course. And then the justice league gets taken over by like Starros, And then the boys are like, the fuck is up with our daddies. And then they go do a thing. Um, it's mostly about Jonathan Kent discovering that his dad is Superman and him getting powers and, you know, nice father son bonding moments. Like, Oh, that's why you're always leaving my baseball games and shit. You know, it's just, it's just parental drama, which I like. Um, there's one review of this, which I thought was really funny. Um, it, it, letterboxd reviews are really memey, uh, and someone just said white Damien jump scare, and I tend to agree. Please stop making Damien white. It's dumb and stupid. Um, I don't know. It's fine. Like it was inoffensive, but for a really good comic run, this is pretty disappointing. Um, for that, there, there there's some bits with Crypto the Superdog, which are fun because you have to go to like the Fortress of Solitude for reasons. Um, Damien Wayne is a dick. Duh. Uh, he treats John like shit, but then at the end of the movie, they're like buddies because, of course, they are. Um, I don't know what this. I I just it's just ugh. the the voice cast is okay. Um, it's what's his name? Uh, Jack Dylan Grazer or whatever the fuck his last name is. The, the, the Stranger Things kid who's in Shazam. That kid. Um, hold on. What the fuck is it? Shit, what's his name? Come on, it's just I, every time I close it, I need it. Yeah, Jack Dylan Grazer. Um, he's fine as Jonathan. I, I I didn't know it was him until I looked up the cast list, so I guess that's a positive. Um, it's your usual Troy Baker being generic Batman. Troy Baker is very underutilized in most of his Batman roles. He's really good, and they just don't... His Joker is pitch perfect, though. Um, I don't know. It was just fine. Like, there's nothing here that I haven't seen before. And it, I, it was short and sweet in the sense that it's a short animated direct to VOD movie. But like, that was it. Like I was drinking this whole time. Um, I wasn't even wasted. I, was, I, I just cranked out like four beers and had a pizza because it was, I, I, there was nothing else to stare at. The animation feels cheap and chintzy. Um, the story is basically the same as the comics, except they make it movieified. Um, yeah, just not, not a fan, not a fan. Uh, the only thing I really liked was, John gets upset because he's like freaking out, you know, holy shit, I have powers. What the fuck's going on? And then, you know, Clark is running after him because he's like, ah, I got to go talk to my son. And then John hides in the barn. And then uh, this is the same as basically as it has, has it as it happened in the comic. And, you know, he's like shouting to his son. He's like, hey, I know you're upset and freaking out. It's fine. I just want to talk to you. And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't want to talk to you, dad. You don't understand. And then this motherfucker puts on the Superman suit. And then just floats up to his son and is like, I kind of do though. <laughs> and that's great. That stuff is really, really, really nice. Um, I've said this a thousand times. Making Superman a dad was the best decision DC's ever made because that's really I what I stand with you on that. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Of course, the one of the best man on earth being a dad, of course it would work. Mm-hmm. He's just so wholesome. He's understanding. He's another, um, another, he's growing it. He, he's raising a child who has his powers, and he's like, you don't understand that, and it's like one of the very few dads that actually understands. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it, it's a really good demonstration of the fact that even though there are difficulties there, yes, the perfect man basically still has difficulties as a dad. It doesn't mean he's a bad dad. And it's one of those things that's like, I can imagine this is incredibly validating to read as a kid, 
who up to a certain point, you kind of view your dad as Superman. And then the flip side of it, of like being a parent and being like, I'm going to fuck up my kid. And it's like, even the perfect guy still makes some mistakes. And right. And it, it, I just, it feels like that's something that if I was on the other side of, if that ever happens one day, Mm -hmm. that would feel very nice on that side too. Mm -hmm. Um, that was about it. It's just like fine. And the animation just really, oh, it's very upsetting to me, honestly. I'm not, the, I'm not like ride or die on if a movie looks horrible, I can't watch it. But like, I just was watching it. I'm like, this came out in 2022. Just why? Why, 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 why are we back? Why, why are we like, what's the word I'm looking for? Backtracking back? Yeah, something like that. Why aren't we falling back, falling back into like shitty stuff? Yeah, like, why, I, why are we like just going further, like beyond? Right. Like, I understand why, like, 3D models are usually actually used because you can save money doing that. Because if you know how to paint them correctly, um, anime does this all the time. If you know how to paint them right yes. and frame them right, they look fine. And hand drawing stuff is a pain in the ass and expensive. But like, not here. They're stiff and lifeless. The lip movements barely track to the voices. They're they just, yeah. You know, sometimes those that shit actually works better than drawing it in my in my in my brain like so the only example i can really give perfectly is uh star wars clone wars yes not the clone wars clone wars mm-hmm. 2003 uh where the arc trooper ship comes in in like the second half like technically it's a second episode but second half of the whole movie and you can tell it's an animated thing but i'm like that is like perfectly in line with the whole animation how the fuck did they do that and i see animated stuff that like vehicles driving in or doing stuff i'm like but this was perfect. So it works. It can work. It's just, it's either it's to do with the art style or you just aren't doing it right. Yeah. I just didn't understand the purpose here. It didn't provide some unique avenue. It wasn't like character specific or, or very useful to demonstrate the powers at hand. It just felt like they wanted to make it quickly, even though they spent more money on it than they usually do. Yes. So that just doesn't. And it making no sense. I liked this less than Catwoman Hunted because at least that had tits in it. And there were some <laughs> there were some bits of it that were vaguely aesthetically pleasing because it was actually a, an anime, even though I didn't really like it that much. Right. I ranked them the same, but this one doesn't get a heart from me. The other one was bad, but it got a heart from me because titties. Even because though it was titties. bad. They're like the same. Man, last year for, for DC anime movies was rough. The three of them, there's two that are like bad. And then there's one that's like fine. Yes. That was rough. Yes. I'm trying to find something that I did watch. I'm trying to find yeah, fine. Um, what I did watch. No, that's fine. Look at that. Perfect time. Look at that. Oh, wow. It's wow. fine. Okay. Um, I have no transition. Well, thanks for listening, viewers, people across the country. Then and world. Uh, we have like one listener other from Australia. Comments. You from down under are probably listening to all of this backwards. <laughs> I can't even make the no, joke. No, they're, they're listening to it upside down. Yeah, but like, wouldn't it be back? Oh, no, upside down's worse than backwards. You, It's unintelligible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's why they talk funny. Um, yeah. So do they have to like flip the phone upside down to listen properly to us? No, that's when they flip the phone around the other way. So the, the phone. Fu- <laughs> that's so much stupid inception right there. <laughs> um, a big thank you to our, our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash dime comic pros network. Uh, Caitlin and Jeff Lorenz, if you want to help support this show financially, as well as just be our little little Robins, uh, you can go over there and give us money. Uh, there are a bunch of different tiers with some different rewards. You get stickers, um, sketches done by Colin, commissions done by Colin, um, 
early access to this podcast, as well as our second podcast, Dime Gaming Bros, as well as exclusive segments like Happy Hour, which we do after every podcast where we crack open a beer, talk about random bullshit. It's 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 usually incoherent. I do what I can. Um, there's usually another thing, but I don't remember any words. Uh, words are dumb and stupid. Uh, go give us money, please, and thank you. It's very appreciated. Also, a thank you to our sponsor, sp- to our partners over at Jetpack Comics and Games in downtown Rochester, New Hampshire. Over at the Mega Store, they have all of the nerd stuff you could need. And if they don't have it in stock, they'll buy it for you, and then they'll give it to you. You can even buy your comics through them, and they will ship it to you. So you don't have to go to the store. Support your local comic book shops, people. Um, it's good for all of us, and they appreciate it. Like, we appreciate Jetpack Comics. Um, Next week is the news. More Mando. I think that's it. Normal, kind of a normal week. It will uh, be a normal week. Jacob's coming back. Not soon. Jacob, come home. So we can play D&D. I just wanted to suck his dick. I don't know what you're talking about. I want to do that in D&D. Dude, dude in D&D, you guys are just going to be flirting with me anyways as true. the DM. This is true. I have a very good idea of what's going to happen. But I can't tell any of you guys about it. I can't. Good. Don't no, ruin it. But you'll pick up on it. Oh, I'll pick up what you're you will. Which is... I think it's fleet. Fleet, yes. Wait, say Being dumb. Never mind. Yes, no, it's the ghost feet, of course. Yes, they just yes. leave mysterious footprints everywhere. Hey, hey, remember this? Remember this? This happened. <laughs>